Food and Beverage Magazine Live, bringing food and beverage to life with your hosts, James Beard Award winner Jennifer English and Food and Beverage Magazine publisher Michael Politz. Featuring leaders in the hospitality, branded food and beverage, and CPG industries, many of whom are Jennifer and Michael's friends in the business. For an informal and informative conversation where friends in the business share the latest intel, ideas, and best practices. Live, juicy inside scoop from the tastemakers, newsmakers, bread bakers, drink shakers, spoon lickers, clam diggers, farms, foodies, and friends of the food and beverage magazine world. Here are your hosts, Jennifer English and Michael Politz. Hi. Hey, what's your lunch? How you doing? I didn't get any. This is red wine braised short ribs with olive oil, whipped potatoes, and roasted heirloom carrots. That is a beautiful paleo meal. Wait, can you show us that again? Can you show us that again? Oh. You, Look at yeah. your nails match your shirt. Your nails match yeah. your shirt. Yeah, my nails mm-hmm. do match. Is that, is that why you're having me hold this? I want uh-huh. you to know how delicious this is. Oh, and you have a dietary restriction. You need to be on a certain number of calories to fatten you up or slim you down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something. This is sweating a bit because it's 106 today where I am. You can almost heat this up where you are. But this is the turkey bolognese. I'm telling oh, you. Is that how you say that? Bolognese? bolognese. Look at that. Michelle Tell said hello. Michelle Tell. How, how does she know we have wonderful content? We didn't even start yet. Because I'm showing her this delicious, delicious food. Oh, look who this is. Emily Rakoski. You like that? Can I That's just tell you a story? Can I tell you a story about Emily? Yes. Do you mind? No, so I've... have you heard have you heard of 23andMe? Yes. So you you know you swab your spit, then they go and they get DNA and all that great stuff. Yeah. Well, Emily popped up as my cousin. I reached out. She says to me, "You must be a co- my cousin on my mother's side." Um, like she didn't know her mother. She was adopted out. Oh wow! I found my cousin and I found her mother right <gasps> for her. We connected them. They had a, they have a beautiful relationship now. However, during that process, there was a couple of other cousins that were really unhappy. It's a private thing. Stay out of people's business. But it was my business because it came to me, right? So of course it was. So I lost a couple of cousins that were you know bitter. Table for one. You know what I'm saying? Um, but Emily has a fantastic relationship with her mother now, and uh, isn't that fun? Going to send table for one, right? <laughs> then I found her father. Believe it or not. No. Yeah, that's a dirty long story. That's a long look. Look, here's Emily. Amazing, right? Look, she's even talking about. She she is a um, a physical trainer, and obviously she has the same tongue as her dog does, as you can see in the picture. Very interesting. He's adorable. She's adorable, and and the best part is I got a great new cousin out of it, and she's so fun, and she's sweet, and she's got some kids, and her husband is a chef. We love this. We got to get her husband on. Because we kind of left him out. I wanted him out of the situation, right? This wasn't my chefy world. This was me finding her mom, whether her yeah. mom liked it or not. That was what I was doing. It was her mom's decision. And she just sort of like said, hey, hey, here I am. It's cool. If you want to say hi, you can. If you don't, I'm cool. Thank you. I just need to know about my health issues. Right? Wow. 
So more importantly, not the because once you become a parent, you need to know because what you're passing on, it's not about me. Look at this guy. Do you see this guy? Undisputed yeah. champion, undisputed champion of the world, Jeffrey Fennick. Jeff Fennick is the biggest boxing star in all of Australia. Right? The biggest you know star. What I'm to do, Jeff, Jeff, I need your help to become the best I can be in. Well, Jeff's in Australia. And, he, and honestly, he's, he's a rough what? guy. He can send. Look, he's telling me how fat I am. I stop eating the great food. Yeah, but I'm the and one then, who and then he's food. then he's starting me, starting with me. How did you find <laughs> me? Like I'm stalking him. So so Jeff Jeff is one of the greatest boxers that ever lived. Right. He trained. He's very close. I met Jeff with Mike Tyson. Um, Jeff trained with Mike for a lot of years. He trained Mike for a lot of years. So they have a very very strong bond. And uh, he's one of the greatest human beings I ever met in my life. He is a love. Whenever he comes to America, the first thing he does is call me when he lands. One of my best friends in the world. I got to say, Jeff looks like a person who could inspire with his intention from the other side of the planet. And I'm just um, saying, yeah. you know, and, and Michael, before we even get in, because we have such, today is the CEO day. Today is the C-suite day on the show. We have two okay. ginormous behemoth CEOs who are transforming the world of food as you know it. The future of food lies in their hands. We're going to knock you out today with how much access to the C-suite we're giving you. But I wanted to say to Jeff and to anybody out there, you know, I'm I'm reimagining my life and reimagining my healthfulness. And I don't know whether I need to do a cleanse or I need to do more. I mean, I, I walk as much as I can. You know, I have some health challenges that put me in that sort of, you know, careful of the COVID status. But I will do anything. And if anybody has any ideas on how I can become my physically best self, because spiritually, I'm like, I'm working. I'm good. Well, you know, but, spiritually, but, I, I bring you, I bring you the, what you need. Listen, but um, listen, my wife just said my, no my sugar and no bread. My inner Buddha is good. My outer Buddha needs a little less. Listen, <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing, look what Jeff says. Jeff says, we are what, we are what we eat. Exactamente. Now, yes. Well, Jeff, well, Jeff. Right. Listen, I've seen Jeff and what he eats. Okay, he's a he's a closet eater. He's a little chubby right now. He was he went through a very sick time. He literally almost died in, in Phuket. Unbelievable, scary. We were all scared. I mean, the Tysons and me were on the phone all day long, worried about, believe it or not, worried about Jeff. We didn't want to have to worry, but he lived, he survived. He surprised his eldest daughter at her wedding in Australia, and she thought he was going to be laying up in a hospital. Wow. In, uh, in Phuket. Is that amazing? So I'm going to use but this. But he's a little chubby. I want to say he's a little chubby. And he's, you know, he's how many thousands of miles is Australia from Las Vegas? Because I can say that because he'll never catch me. He'll never catch me. He won't. I'm going to see a, a, a punch coming in from stage left in your screen. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm going to use that you are what you eat to jump into the conversation today with our first guest. Scott Harris is the CEO of a company called Deliver Lean. He's also, over the last decade or so, not only scaled, but transformed what's going on in the world of meals. You know, we're talking a lot and have over the last month about ghost restaurants and how food service operations are transforming and changing the way that they do things. But not only are you are what you eat, but food is your first medicine. 
But when we say you are what you eat, you literally have to imagine that everything that's in your bowl and on your plate, in your basket at the grocery store, or better yet, the farmer's market, or even better yet, your own vegetable patch in your victory garden that you started growing when COVID hit. Imagine anything you put in your mouth becoming becoming your cells, your 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 being, the atoms, the molecules of you are in that sandwich and that soup. So if you had a choice about what you were going to put in to replenish all of what you are, and you had people that you love that that needed that help because of a of a health concern. They needed to make sure that they were eating the right things. And how many times have doctors said, God, I just wish that I could prescribe three square meals or two square meals or at least one square meal a day for you? Or if someone was having a hard time because they'd lost their spouse or if any number of things happened and you just wanted to show up with a casserole, but people were too far away and you frankly don't know how to make a good casserole. There are so many reasons why we have to pay attention to this equation, that that function, that 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 algorithm, that living, breathing, organic algorithm that is our relationship with food the food that becomes who we are. I am absolutely honored and excited, if you can't tell, because I'm fangirling a little bit and gushing a little too much about Scott Harris being on with us today, the CEO of Deliver Lean. And yeah, they're the people that make this extraordinary short rib, and they can make you paleo meals, they can make you any kind of meals, but they can also just help make it possible for all of us to pay better attention to having better food And it is possible to have it come in a really easy package, just like you saw. I'm going to welcome him to the show. Scott, hey, there you are. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I appreciate your passion. Thank you for that introduction. I don't think there's a person listening to this that hasn't had one of several scenarios happen, including a family member in a different place passing away and being too far away to send a meal an older relative or somebody convalescing from something that you just couldn't figure out what to send or somebody you just wanted to make sure they were getting what they needed or you wanted to feed yourself a little bit better, but you just not quite the cook you wished you were. You've come in and solved all these problems for literally hundreds of thousands of people. I think I read something like you're doing over 5 million meals a year and that's just in one geography. Let's talk a little bit about what Deliver Lean is. So, so Deliver Lean started uh, a decade ago in an effort, like you had said, to keep people healthy and productive. I was a, a CEO of a different business. I had thousands of employees, and I always found it challenging to eat healthy in the workplace. So I drank coffee till 2 o'clock, had a huge lunch, then espresso all afternoon. And that was the progression of most busy professionals as you drink coffee. So <laughs> I had already started lifting it and I was going to put it down. You said that I'm like, oh, screw right. it, drink the coffee. <laughs> so, so I had hired a chef. They were making healthy food. We saw a huge increase in productivity and morale and less absentee and also key in differentiating when hiring. It was a great, great addition. And uh, when when um, I had, uh, it was in the mortgage it's industry back in, in uh, 2008, nine when that industry changed, I said, you know, I need a career change and I want to go ahead and get into health and wellness. And the initiative or the, the, the approach was always in an effort 
to get meals covered through insurance, to disrupt healthcare. So if we ate healthy and we went to the doctor less and took care of ourselves, why would we pay the same as somebody who frequented the doctor or didn't take care of themselves and were unhealthy? So I went in it with that angle, healthy, transparent ingredients, smaller portions, eat more frequently, and ultimately get great results. So we started out in a direct-to-consumer format where we would make calorically balanced meals and deliver them to people's home business. And we did that in the middle of the night for added convenience. So we allowed people to go online. And at that time, we didn't have a lot of technology. So you could choose what you didn't like, not what you did like. So we didn't put extensive menus. We just had meal types, whether it be animal protein and a classic meal, which would be protein source vegetable uh, and starch or a paleo meal or now more frequently keto or vegetarian or vegan. So we had all the different meal types, but you couldn't choose what you liked. We progressed to that later. So then you go online, you got a chance to choose whether you want two, three, four meals a day, five, six, seven days a week. And then we would deliver the meals in an insulated cooler bag to your home in the middle of the night. And we saw a huge uh, um, um, growth pattern. It was something that resonated. Most of the customers were coming um, from referrals and the lifetime value was long. People were staying a long time. So it was really, really exciting. And, um, and the business grew very, very quickly. Well. So as an extension of our direct-to-consumer business, we then got into the grab-and-go space. We saw a a, a big opportunity in sandwiches, salads, wraps, parfaits, fruit cups for airports and hospitals and schools, where historically they've been, you know, gas station sandwiches and pumped product that would have a three-month shelf life in a sandwich, which clearly isn't healthy. So we thought that by bringing... Again, the philosophy of transparency of ingredients and focused on the origin and the storytelling because food's very personal and people want to know about it, right? They want to know where, where it came from and what they're eating and the nutritionals and, you know, not a thousand calorie sandwich. So we focused and, and that's our core values is, is, is the origin of the ingredients, the storytelling and making it personal. So we also found that food is gender specific and men and women eat differently and so we focused on a very high-end quality product for grab-and-go. Scott, saw- one of the things that I'm really struck by with the business model that you've developed over the last decade is the subtext. And the subtext or the secondary business uh, tactic is that you create food that's actually irresistible. It's more delicious than it would be, needs to be, or probably has been in the past. The disruption isn't merely the way that you're delivering food or even the what it is that you're delivering, although those, those are really disruptive elements that you've created. What I think is part of the genius of the disruption is that this is all done at such a high caliber level of irresistibility that it resonates in the food world that exists today that didn't exist 20 years ago. That people are just, we don't need the white tablecloth, but we need it to be on the fork. We need it to be in the bowl with the chopsticks. We need it to be that good. Hey, Jennifer. Real function. Yes, babe. We just broke Deliver Lean's website. Oh, I'm sorry. I went went to go on there and it's... Unavailable. I hope you're kidding. I, I knew it hey, doesn't matter. You're in an interview with me. That's why it That's happened. That's not bro. okay. That's not okay. It's amazing. This, this oh. is amazing. Jennifer, he's from Hollywood, Florida. I know. 
You know who well, else is from I'm, Hollywood, I'm Florida? A New Yorker that lives that lives in Miami. You know who else is a New Yorker in Hollywood, Florida? Who? Adam you Gaynor. Are. Adam Gaynor <laughs> no, from no. Matchbox no. Twenty. Adam Gaynor from Matchbox Twenty. I'm not lying. And Lauren Smith Fiella. That's and Karen Shear. Did you check your website? Keep going. Let's keep going. We're moving. We're plowing. <laughs> we love we love our audience. Keep going, guys. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I will tell you. That, that meal, that meal just, just to, to say that meal that you're showing does not look nearly as good as it tastes. I want, if you could, so as I was going to segue into the, the latter part of our business, which, which just started years ago. And again, it's the reason I started the business was in an effort to make, um, you know, our meals get co uh, covered through insurance. Right. So that meal that you see there is a segue into our nutritionally or medically tethered meals for, for, for seniors. So what happened is three years ago, or well, actually six years ago, we that's that's a business called Deliver Lean Care, different website. Now, Deliver on, Lean going there Care, now. Deliver Lean Care is a medically tailored meal business for seniors. So currently, if you get discharged from a hospital and you have Humana Care insurance, you go ahead and you get these meals because it was in an effort. These insurers know that if we feed people upon discharge in an effort to lower readmissions, one out of four seniors are going back to the hospital in the first 30 days because of malnourishment. And it's really sad. They can't take care of themselves. And it's an underserved industry where they were, we were serving our, our, our parents and grandparents terrible food. So we looked at that space for a long time and we decided let's take the same principles as transparency of ingredients focused on the origin of all the items that go into a meal and give people hearty comfort meals that are relatable to our to our parents and grandparents. So we focused on Deliver Lean Care, um, and it's amazing. That's amazing. So do you have like um, kishka platters and <laughs> matzo ball soup and maybe a little bit of a kiss exactly. cabbage? Not exactly. Yeah. Now, that meal you see there is also something called cryovac technology. So if you show the meal again, yeah. that's- Show that again, Jen. Yeah, that's a vacuum field. So Michael, the reason we're excited to have Scott on is because this is really breakthrough revolutionary technology. So that meal that you see um, has all the ingredients. It's a braised short rib. So it, it has the protein source, the starch, the vegetable, all the nutritionals, because we are a USDA manufacturer, which means we have science and regulatory affairs in-house. All the nutritionals are correct. But when you heat that meal. and I'm going to go do that. Scott, keep going. When you, when you heat that meal, it blossoms like, like popcorn used to do, and then it deflates, so it retains all the moisture. So when you reheat it, it retains all your moisture, and it has a, between a, well, we'll call it a 14-day shelf life, so we can ship, you know, a week or two weeks of, of meals at once nationally. Wow, that's exciting. Yeah. That's exciting. Very cool. So she's right now, here she comes back. Let's see what happens. I'll tell you is, those meals, they, they... They uh, they poof like a jiffy pop. Yes. No, no, no. Scott said, calls that a blossom. He it blossom, was a blossom. blossom. It could be a poof. Scott says they blossom. They do blossom. It's not because the food is like going from a different state to like hydrate. It, it just naturally does in the it, it creates it's the humidity environment it, it, it up. actually retains all the moisture the food yeah. if i chose a open lid container which is typically how people would do a snap lid container microwavable right for that technology i would i would opt for that because it, it retains the moisture and sometimes when you heat things in a microwave if they're not 
cooked correctly, uh, it, it loses all its flavor. I want you to tell us um, about how in this time of COVID, how the extra layer of sealing and hands off, no touch for these meals is important to your customers. So, I'm going to let you answer that question. Yeah, when, when, when COVID was announced, um, you know, we, we have contracts here with the, the city and state, uh, the county of Miami. Um, so, we're a disaster relief group because we're large scale food manufacturers. So, when this had happened on the 12th of March, we were called by um, city officials and they needed to keep seniors in their homes. So, we've been the food provider. Um, for tens of thousands of seniors each day, we've been producing between 30 and 70,000 meals a day and feeding seniors. So we have a lot of experience in what people like. And yes, to have these meals vacuum sealed and, and contact free, very, very important. I'm going um, to show this again, Scott. Um, one of the things I think is very important for people to recognize and understand in, in this experience um, is, I don't know if you can tell, but it's got a little bit of a poof to it there. Uh, this seems like something we've seen before, but the technology really is revolutionary. Can you talk about how reinventing something that existed and doesn't look particularly different um, so, is so pivotally revolutionary? So there, there are two two reasons why, you know, you would, vacuum steal a meal. And there's only two kind of technologies that people use today. Maybe third would be, um, um, well, well, MAP, which is modified atmosphere packing, and that is sealing it. But with a MAP situation, you're adding ox uh, um, um, nitrogen and oxygen. So you're adding two chemical to food, and it gives it an extended shelf life. With that technology you see there, that's a cryovac technology. So it vacuum seals the meal shut. So they transport well, they don't move around. They look a little astronauty, right? They look a little from a retail perspective. You know what it looks like? It looks like sous vide. It looks sous vide. But from a retail perspective, I don't know that you would brush over to that meal um, in a supermarket and say, wow, that's a good looking meal. However, when you rip it off and you taste it, it remains all the moisture and it's fantastic. So for, that, for, for a national footprint, you can't have extended shelf life unless you use one of those two technologies. And that was our reason for doing that because we needed to extend our footprint. I just want to say, uh, Michael, this is a, a, oh, a red wine. Are those, are those chopsticks? Yeah, I eat with chopsticks all the time. Oh, how, how avant-garde. Let's, let's zoom in on it. We want to watch you eat. Like the last time she ate, Scott, was a chicken sandwich. Let's see what's happening. Let's, let's look at that James Beard award-winning face. I'm going to tell you, this is as soft and tender and luscious as my grandmother's short ribs. This is the short rib of your dreams. It's soft. It really does. It's been trimmed of all extraneous um, gelatinousness. So, in other words, the fat. I mean, this is trimmed and prepared really beautifully. It is so flavorful. It is delicious. Scott, my compliments on this. I'm going to take another bite. Appreciate that. Oh, I don't want to miss your bite. Okay. Well, that's we, we want to bring restaurant quality yeah. food to people's homes. You, when you look at the the convenience um, um, workplace or, or or space, you have meal kits, and meal kits are mailing ingredients to your home. 
They don't necessarily simplify your life. They don't necessarily add time back to your life because you still have, you know, for those that don't want to cook, they, they have to cook those items and take them out and actually read recipes and, and, and make food. And that might be fine. But for those people that have a lifestyle on the go, may live alone, but want restaurant quality food, having it pre-portioned so that they eat more frequently and ultimately, you know, get great results. This is a meal for you. But Michael, you and I both know that if you're a single person, you're not, you can't make short ribs for one. You, you can generally right. not buy yeah. them and get the same you, you need to have the volume. You need to have certain aspects of the technique. By the way, Scott, what is with these mashed potatoes? They're, they're, in, they're haunting, enchantingly oh. delicious. What is the deal with these? I'm actually not exactly sure. Um, this, 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 is, this is a palm souffle with a fresh herb. It's got a really remarkable, unusual, really distinctive, luscious flavor to it. And it really is a great companion herbaceousness to the richness of the short rib. That, as a meal, is a home run. We, and it's very restaurant. We, we've gone through so many different transitions where we wanted to try and be so many things to so many people and vegan, vegetarian, keto. And we have all of those things. But what we have honed in on is doing certain things extraordinarily well, right? We want to go ahead and bring the highest end right. chef, real culinary talent to the word you use to disrupt the, the, the ready to eat or ready to heat meal plan business and it can be done and 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 it is being done but we just need more people to know about it and that this food is available and fantastic scott let's take that one step further and disrupt one more layer in let's leave that whole tableau where we started with this and this is the reimagination of everybody's and anybody's relationship to food by switching one letter we have a two-letter word that most people like to use. We're going to go out to eat or we're going to stay in. We're going to go out to eat or we're going to make something at home and order in, right? It's that or word. But you add one more letter and use the and word. You've done something that lets us have this and that. I can eat at home and I can have restaurant quality. I can have somebody prepare this for me and I can have a hand in putting it on my table myself. So it's this notion of and that's going to be the ultimate disruptor because this is not going to have any basis necessarily in the thriving nature of any restaurant environment. And as restaurants become more susceptible and less sustainable, given all these external pressures they're getting, and I had to rely on a restaurant existing to get this kind of meal before, and now I don't. To me, that's the ultimate disruption. Do you, know, you market, co-market with other co-brand with other restaurants and chefs right now for their products to move across the country? It's interesting. You know, we, we've looked at that for some time where we've met with and engaged with um, some celebrity type chefs, chefs with names. Um, we've been a brick and mortar business because until we got this new technology, we were, we were really regional. We were in three counties in one little state. We grew again very quickly. I think we made it look very easy and there's been so many competitors, which is a good thing, which means that the business is viable, right? That there are so many of us that are doing this in an average job who can do it better. 
So we moved and, and as differentiation, we became a USDA facility, which elevates your food safety protocols to a different level. And don't you have like 50,000 square feet of USDA Yeah, we have, yeah, we have 65,000 feet, yeah. 300 people making food, 39 walking. It's something to see, right? Large-scale food manufacturing. So we went from, you know, making food, delivering to people's homes to grab-and-go, which is private label. So there are groups like Aramark, Whole Food, um, Brightline, um, national groups would be um, – all the hospital chains. So we manufacture food for those groups and we were focused kind of in different segments where healthcare were hospitals because they were challenged and had, uh, or, or hospitality um, because of overtime swings and occupancy spikes. So they reached out to us to do banquets for them. So there's so many different segments of large scale food manufacturing. And the most recent and the one we're, we're most excited, well, there's two, which would be grab and go post COVID because everybody wants this compact free food and you have and, and touch free food, touch free food. And you have hospitality, which in Florida, right, where we reside is really challenged with bringing all their employees back. They believe summertime they're going to see between six and 10 percent occupancy where 40 percent is break even. And they're going to jeopardize their their guests experience by not having the food or mm -hmm. the or the, the room service. So they were reaching out to us and saying, could you create a grab and go menu for us that we could provide for our room service in room and the beach and the pool? So that is one aspect of the business we're very, very excited about. And we see a big increase um, in inquiries and people that want us to make food for them. And the second is the senior meal business. Yeah. Um, I have a, a, a squillion questions and Michael, I hope you're as excited about talking to Scott because as far as I'm concerned, out of everybody we've talked to about the future of our industry, the food and beverage mm -hmm. hospitality industry, I think he has, and you may say this is a 10 year overnight success story. This is a success story that didn't, isn't going to ride on the back of COVID to its success. Mm -hmm. This was success on the, on the way to success. And I really do believe this is the future of food. But one of the one of the things that we talked about, you remember a couple of weeks ago, we had the CEO of um, Tuttenauer USA on, mm -hmm. and they're a company that does uh, s sterilization for surgical tools and dental tools. And and the CEO, um, the president, held up a package, Scott, of a knife, fork, and spoon in a sterilized package that that didn't. That didn't not look like this, only in in a clear plastic. Uh, and we were imagining what else is going to come in that kind of vacuum um, sanitized kind of format for us. And that's what you are offering. And when you're telling me that when I go to the airport, but when I also go to a hotel in an airport, I'm very happy to have as much clean as possible. But frankly, it's a Russian roulette. You're walking through an airport, anything's going to happen. But if I'm in a hotel, and especially a nice hotel, and room service comes with that extra layer of that kind of protection, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel pretty good about that. And what you're saying to me isn't just the food side on the health side. It's the food side on the true F&B hospitality side as well. Yes. Yes. It's a, uh, it's, it's a, it's an interesting time. Um, and again, you know, you have to be creative and innovative yeah. 
when things like this happen? What is the future? Where is this going? And I think that, you know, to produce large amounts, which again is an art form to do this consist, anybody can make one, two, five good meals. Can you make tens of thousands of good meals? So it's, you know, it's supply chain, it's logistics, it's making sure you can get the food where it needs to be. It's, it's the cook chill, right? Temp- temperature abuse, you know, how was the food handled through the entire supply chain? And it's, uh, it's a lot. It's not, uh, yeah, it's different. So Scott, when you're in, in the business of what you're doing, how important is like the medically um, controlled uh, weight loss business going to be important to you? And then how is the medically supervised weight loss world and then how is just the I want to lose some weight world going to factor into all of this? It used to be much more about diet and weight loss. And it's kind of transitioned to just about, you know, good food prepared correctly. And I think, again, if you limit your portions and you eat smaller, more frequently, no matter, yes, 10 people about a diet, everyone, intermittent fasting, or you need to eat keto and cut out the, the sugar, you know. Everybody's got an opinion on what works for them and people talk about blood types. But if you eat smaller portions and you eat more frequently, you're going to get great results. Right. So um, when you had asked about seniors. Historically, they, they have have, you know, nobody's really looked out for them. The food that they've been served is frozen food and there's nothing wrong with frozen food. However, the frozen food that they've been served with the piece of bread and the powdered milk. It wasn't irresistible. Awful, right? So when we looked at the space and we looked at it for a long time to figure out how to disrupt it when people are paying a dollar, a dollar ninety, or two dollars for a meal to feed a senior, and then the the argument where if it's healthy, it's got to be expensive. So we focused on fresh, um, you know, good ingredients, but also meals that are relatable to a senior. You know, no, not quinoa and couscous meals, but hearty meals that that you're seeing there. Um, so we focused on on because the, most people didn't grow up eating faro, or most exactly people right. didn't grow up eating quinoa. So we tried. They didn't. Huh? They, you, they, you didn't, did. they didn't grow up, and they didn't have caviar and seafood platters on their tables every night. No, our, our parents yeah. didn't eat sushi. No, that's weird. Not really. No. I, hey, I so where did you grow up? What was I your food never, tradition? Like, what I are you? In New York. Story. I grew up in New York. I'm from uh, I'm from Westchester, Scarsdale, New York, and uh, I've lived uh, there most of my life. I moved here 15 years ago. Started delivering uh, almost 11 years ago. And to your point, it has been a very it is a very hard the food business is historic very hard right to make um, um, meals and and deliver them to people's homes for nine dollars and to do that in scale very hard. Because you're constantly dealing with churn. You're signing people, you're losing people. You have to, you know, no matter how good the food is, you constantly need to be adding customers. So to do it regionally, the footprint's not big enough. We needed to scale nationally. Yeah, Jennifer, any questions for Scott? (laughs) Yes. Well, I wanted to know, and, and see, Michael Politz is our CEO. And I was teasing him today saying, I've got all your brethren on today. We're going to have like a big C-suite meeting. And poor Michael, I don't usually let him get a word in edgewise. But I'm turning to him because he really is the guy 
who does the master planning of our universe because he's he's thinking from 50,000 feet and he's the author. Scott will send you one of these. Do you have this book? No, but I would like to. And I don't know. I'm sure you already uh, subscribed to Food and Beverage magazine, but um, of course. one of the things that Michael does particularly well is he understands from a really um, human standpoint the intimate relationship between people and food. And I think when you tell us that you're you're heading national, do we have timetables for that yet? So we're doing it today um, with with the senior meal. We actually ship that food nationally today with the sandwiches and the the. By the way, the 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 grab and go site is G R B N G O grab and go, and that is a site that's a business to business site uh-huh. where people go online and order from portals, and then we bring them to businesses. So that's GRBNGO. But we are national today in the senior meal business, and we're going to be moving to national on the direct-to-consumer, the meals that you see in front of you, yep. for uh, non-senior, for regular meals, um, near-term, next 60 days. What? Let me tell you this, Jennifer. Let me tell you this. I want to tell you that Scott doesn't even realize this. He is on the cusp of greatness right now, right now. Do you know? Do you know that every casino has taken out their employee dining room and they yeah. put these little marketplaces in for grab and go, right? Um, and a buddy of mine owns a huge vending company who does most of it out west from from the Mississippi, right? He does Nevada, California, but he puts together. He owns a big vending, so they have machines and everything. But they also have these serve yourself smart food marketplace. Yes, that's a, you know, he builds rooms. He, yeah, swipe the card. He builds rooms, right? Rooms of this stuff. And uh, I mean, I went to his warehouse and he has like three different styles of rooms that you can go in and go. And they go into hotels. They take over for all the employee dining. They're like, here, go eat sandwiches. Go eat that. Here's your card. You have this much loaded on your card. It's cheaper for them to do that than to have these big employee buffets and all this great stuff. Um, So I know it's super. that, That website's not working. So I know it's super successful, right? It's a great new business model. And it Scott, is. I can connect you with uh, Matthew. So we um, here here in Florida, um, we are partners with Aramark. And they do exactly what you're speaking about, these unattended micro markets, smart food. Micro markets. That's so it. Micro. Talking. Scott, you've heard of this before. A yeah, micro market. So, so unattended micro markets, basically they're in all, you know large corporations. They convert your break room. They're unattended. So, you know, there's no that you walk in, you take your credit card, you swipe it, you can touch anything. Yeah. And then the, the door opens, you take what you want. And it's smart in that when you shut the door, it knows what you took. It sends us all. So, you don't. it's unattended. It sends me an alert as to what's missing. And it could go ahead and um, it identifies expiration and discounts products approaching expiration. So right. it's really smart. And we and, do think that's the future and, of that. We were talking yesterday oh. with Barbara Fairchild, the former editor-in-chief of Bon Appetit magazine, uh, about a conversation with uh, Tracy Neporent. He's on tomorrow from Myriad Restaurant Group and NYC and Company Restaurant Week. And we were talking about this idea that the old-fashioned automat, the, har- the horn and hard art automat from our childhood, you, um, probably you might remember this, uh, could be the next thing. We were talking about how in Asia the vending is going to do that and, and this micro markets are going to do the same thing. So many dimensions of what comes next 
ultimately rely on there being really good product and you are at the at the nexus of all these intersections with what you're doing at Deliver Lean. I appreciate but that. Scott can also co-pack for people at, at some point, right? Yes, There's yes, going to be guys can. out there yes, saying, yes, you know, I'm a successful restaurateur, a very famous guy, and I want to get my products out across America, right? So there's that whole co-packing world. It's a whole other world out there. So, so that's where we're getting most of our business, just so you know. Obviously, supply chain and logistics, we get our ingredients from places. So those people, the Cisco's of the world and the, you know, the U.S. food, the large broadliners, they're looking for the next stage. So they were doing food service. Now, restaurants and food services are declined. And they're not doing these large groups. So now they're looking for what's next. And what's next is prepacked, prepared food that they could go ahead and deliver and re-up every three days. Because the shelf life on a on a, a sandwich is five days. So it's something that, you know, if you need, it'll be a, a different market for them that they're looking into. Right. And Michael, uh, to this point, and I think it's really important. Uh, to mention at this stage of all of this disruption happening, oh, oh. Um, that if you were part of a hotel group mm. that welcomed international guests, you had to have someone on your staff that could offer Japanese or Asian breakfasts. You had to offer Scandinavian or European style, uh, continental European breakfasts. You mean now, like Ikea? You, have, you would, Instead of going to Ikea? Well, and, and no offense. I mean, it's $1.99 breakfast there. I don't know if you can compete with that. I'm just saying. Like, uh, I'm the meatball. We bring the, we bring but, the kids. You, you could get lox and bagel. It's a great situation. It's like Arthur Avenue. Like, it's it's nice. Ikea upstairs. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Did I interrupt? No, not at all. I mean, that's the whole point of this is we're hanging out with our friends in the business. And our friends in the business just happen to be CEOs who are going to reinvent what the future of food looks like. But I digress. Oh, I do. want you to imagine being able to have a system whereby you can offer not only check the box, we offer Japanese breakfast, mm -hmm. or we offer Asian style breakfast, or we offer kosher style meals, but that you don't just check the box, you check the box and then you elevate what it is you deliver to the is irresistible level. That's what's hard. It's, mm. it's hard enough to do it, and then it's hard enough to get to that level, but even harder still is to do it with consistency. Scott, the thing that's impressive is you seem to be delivering on that consistency across the board at that high level. That's not a sexy thing for most people. We expect it to be consistent. Talk a little bit about how you've had to deal with whatever you had to deal with to make it that good and consistent. Well, I mean, I guess that's the challenge of scale, right? In any business, you know, you could do it, but can you do it over and over again? And can you do it in size? And that's where the planning and sophistication of menu correlation, container appeal, you know, the writing of the ingredients. And if, if hypothetically, you know, having everything as an extension, because again, if you have so many different items, it would be hard to train everybody. So there's the the making of the food and the, uh, the, the food prep. So the mise en place, how that's all handled. So we run our establishment like most companies or hotels would run theirs. We have a centralized procurement department yep. that's responsible for all the purchasing, comes into receiving everything barcoded with FIFO and, you know, zapped in, zapped out. 
And then the recipes, you know, having written the recipes and then all of the different departments write requisitions from each of the areas. And these are coffee prepared. The cooking process is standardized all the way to heating the oven. So we, we McDonaldized it, if you will. And then plating metrics. So it looks as good as it tastes because when you transport food or when you get that plate, it needs to look as good as it tastes. So menu correlation, container appeal, and then writing each method down and training everybody so that it's consistent. And then ultimately all the way to the person who delivers the food to your home. And that meal you see in front of you, it, it's not as important because it's it's vacuum sealed. But prior to this technology, we had to train all the way to the driver that handed the meal to the customer because if they tipped the container, food wouldn't look good. In, in, in someone's mind, it wouldn't taste good. So it's it's standardizing every single procedure and making sure, you know, we, we wrote protocols. Scott, do you know my good friend Carol Kotkin, the food writer and food editor in Miami? I don't. Can I make a, a friend connect with you with sure. her? She's one of the great food journalists in America, been involved with James Beard and IACP for years. And she's just one of the loveliest human beings in the food world. But it reminds me that Miami, as great a food scene as it is, it's super distinctive. And it's not like you have everything there. Is it hard to do what you're doing in Miami of all places? Or is it a good central location for you? So when I started, you know, corporate wellness and feeding, you know, people in the workplace, it certainly would not have been Florida that I would have chosen to start <laughs> a corporate wellness meal plan business. I just happened to live here. Um, so the, the we have access to all the finest ingredients. I will tell you right now, the talent pool is yeah. amazing, right? Best well, you at Johnson and Wales down there, don't you? We do. But but I'm saying with with hospitality having this, you know, hiccup and hotels, the finest culinary talent all the way from, from the top executive chefs down to sanitation and receiving managers, we're seeing amazing talent. So that's really exciting for us to capitalize and constantly be looking for better, innovative, smart, passionate food to people. I'd love to know what family meal looks like at your place. <laughs> right, well... Right, bring the guys in. They, they, we, they, they make great food. Yeah, it's and, nice. And are you branching out into different ethnic cuisines? Because I have to tell you, one of the meals you sent was grilled tofu with bok choy, mm -hmm. and it was really delicious. Excellent. Excellent. I'm really happy you enjoyed it. Yeah, we, again, we, we try and really focus a lot on variety. We have our core menu items, and then we bring in 10 different seasonal items depending on time of the year so if it's thanks you know catalyst driven thanksgiving halloween you know all different types of cuisines depending on time of year michael i have yes, to tell you, i'm fangirl gushing about this because to me this really is a glimpse of the future of food you kind of pulled the curtain back jennifer no i i, I I, I shined a light on where we're going. No, it's the few. Listen, I've been working with my buddies over at, at for the micro markets and all that for a few months now. Prior to COVID, right? Right. We were working on they. They also own. Um, they also own New York Seltzer Water. If you right. know that company. So we've been working on that, and that's you know that's really how they got into vending. They they have the machines. They throw their own products in there. I think they have Dr. Browns on the West Coast. The whole deal. So. Um, no Ray. 
Yeah, bueno, he's annoying. They're boring. Ben, They're boring. Ben's been challenged for years. Nobody wants a, uh, you know, a, a candy bar and a bag of chips anymore. So the vending world is kind of over, and they're trying to figure yeah. out what's the future of vending. And it's exactly but what you're doing is brilliant, right? There are so many great chefs out there that it's almost smarter to say, like, it's almost smarter to say, this is our Jennifer. We're going to come back to Scott with some ideas. I've got an idea, a mind boggler, Jennifer. A mind boggler, five star idea. Because wouldn't the country love to have Jeremiah Tower, something from stars? Or somebody from something, or something from all these restaurants that are gone. But the beauty of this is, and let's just step this all back, and I'm sure Scott's already doing this, and maybe he hasn't announced it yet. But you can go to any restaurant in any time and place in history, anywhere in the world, take a menu, take a recipe, take anything. You can, you can load it on as an offering and see what the interest is without having to buy all the ingredients. And if there's enough interest, then you can make it. That's the thing that's been missing. In restaurants, you, you, you get the catch of the day and you offer that fish. And you sell a third of it. So now you have two thirds of this beautiful delivery of seafood. And now you've got to turn it into a special because you didn't sell all of it. So now it's a chipino 10 days later or whatever you're going to do or, or a fish chowder. Imagine if you could eliminate that part of the equation in the food business so that your food costs go from here to here because you've taken out the waste. Not the waste from the carrot tops and the zero waste. Hey, don't talk about carrot top, that's my friend. I know, I didn't mean to, it's easy to go. Beet tops. It's not a waste. <laughs> we knew you were talking about yield, we get I'm it. Right. We understand yield, right, yes. How do you not see what Scott's doing and not immediately think of all the ways? If I'm a restaurateur, if I'm an operator, frankly, this is a chapter in that book that, that in, the, in the second edition, because this is where it all well, goes. You, you know, the, to, to both of your points, the a huge challenge being an entrepreneur is about staying in your lane. And that's the hardest thing, because we'll, we'll talk tonight. You guys start to think about, hey, we should have chefy chef inspired meal plan and we need to bring in this. And I've thought about that, too. And then I start to you know, move in a different direction. And it's easy to do because it's so exciting. There's so many angles for food once you can produce it right. in large scale and have the licensing to ship it nationally. Because if you do ship food or put someone else's name on it and sell it to someone, it has to be USDA and FDA inspected. Right. And once you get into that world, then you have traceability, recall. I mean, it's science and regulatory affairs, tear waiting. If you walked in, you know, I know everybody's COVIDed out wearing masks, and but we've been wearing masks and jackets and gloves. And ever, you walk in, everybody's in a Martian suit. It's so very is different. Jennifer on her off days. Listen, Scott, remind people in 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 the top hundred markets in the country. Leave the top five markets out of it. Most cities don't have five or ten USDA facilities, and it, not in, and not in ready to eat. Right? They might right. have it in like frozen food, right? Because you could do that or make one item, yogurt or something. But right. to have many different ready to eat with all the different allergens and people don't understand this, the, how sophisticated you need to be to run a government plant with listeria and E. coli and walking through foot baths and, you know, uh, 
checking over it's it's major the the amount of swabbing in between every allergen so if i touch dairy and then i move into chicken everybody has to wear a different color it's very involved and if you see at the bottom of my um identification on the screen it says mrs spices USDA has such specific regulations about how to keep your spices and where you keep your spices and how you label them and how you blend them. And I mean, even something as simple as the seasoning for a finished dish can throw your whole world into a costly reorganizational redesign kind of a thing. I mean, it's really astonishing. Yeah, it is. It's something that people don't know or appreciate, but I think that we're moving towards that food safety paramount, um, where the food's prepared, very important, you know, because it, 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 it is. Um, so, yeah, we, we take the highest level of food safety and uh, all those protocols. Well, Scott, I know we had some uh, issues earlier in the week. We all went um, social media dark. We had originally scheduled a talk to you earlier in the week, and you and I both felt you know, it's just not time for us to to take attention away from what else was going on. You were really good about coming on as soon as possible because we've all been excited to talk to you. And I just want to say, I hope that you found that this was as juicy and satisfying a conversation mm -hmm. as it is for us, because we are awfully glad to have you on and hope this is not the last time that we uh, chat with you about about the future of food, because this isn't just about delivered meals. This isn't just about vacuum sealing. You literally have your finger on the future of what the world of food is going to look like for most of us in one form or another. So thank you. Hopefully, hopefully with that finger on that, he's wearing a glove. Is that what I just want to make sure? I really actually enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed this. This was great. I hope that you invite me on again soon. We can focus on any topics oh, you'd like. And then we can also talk offline because I think that yes. there are a lot of things that we potentially could do together and make yes. this uh, and bring food to, to people all throughout the country. Amazing. Well, you know, you know, Scott, I have 12 million monthly readers. That's all yeah. I'm saying. They might not have told you that and you might not have known from my behavior, but it is true. When I look down, I keep texting Ashley for your phone number. She doesn't even have it. She doesn't have it. I'll get you guys all hooked up. But I, but I want to say one of the most heartening things. Scott, in hearing you talk about all of this, is I know that at the core of what you're doing, you are bringing to life the intention that every operator has and every human being that works in food has, which is I want to make something for you that, that, that nourishes you, that feeds your soul, that feeds your body. I want to give you the best thing possible I can give you. I want to delight you. I want to take care of you while you're in my care, in my house, if it's a restaurant, in my in my care, if you give me the privilege of preparing food for you. And in, and in meeting you, I recognize a, a brother in this industry. I can see in you somebody who really has the intention to make beautiful food for everybody you guys are making food for. And to me, that is the most heartening thing. Yes. This, to me, is about the intention with which you cook the food. And I, and I have to say, thank you for that. I appreciate that. And, very he gets, nice, and he gets that you got to tell a story about it because it's our personal stories. It is. It is. And it's important. So I just want to know when you're going to start doing um, pies. 
Pies. Pies? Like, what does it look like? I'm coming to my office tomorrow. I like apple pie. Like I'm going to walk right. into the office tomorrow and I say to everybody, I got great news. We're now making pies. <laughs> they will throw, they'll throw me out the front door. No, no more. Right. All right. Thank you, Scott. I'm going to quiet Jennifer down now. She's getting way too carried away. Just yeah. send her an autograph picture and we'll be fine. Will do. Thank you so much, All guys. Right, He's like, tiger he's like the tiger beat of food, right? I know. What do you think that Sean Cassidy? What are you doing? You're like, Woo! I love you. I that's know that's how you're acting. People are like, who is that? Who's Sean? Who? All right. What do we got up next? Let me just before we go next. I know he's he's been in the in the in the green room, even though it's probably not green in this room. Is is he here yet? Kevin he is here, of course. Did you not read your private chats that I sent you while you're no, talking? I've been, yeah. I've been paying absolute attention to my guests. I want to show you the new issue of Food and Beverage Magazine with Post Malone. Have you heard of Post Malone? Yes. He's a very popular singer. Wow. I don't know why he tattooed his face like that. If I was his father, I would. And his father's in food service. His father, I believe, works uh, runs the food for a big uh, something in Texas, a big uh, a stadium. But he has a. Uh, Interested in a new wine called Maison Number Nine. So that's all. I just wanted to share that because I thought that was. Let's bring on our next guest. So the man, Kevin Kelly, with two first names. Hold on. How about the man with two first names? Can we just call him that? No, because I'm from Boston, and Kelly is always a last name in Boston. And it's oh. one of the best places to eat in all of New England, Kelly's Roast Beef. And there he you... is. Look at this. He's got, look at this. Hey, and Kelly in Boston is always spelled Y because EY is Protestant. See? Welcome. Kevin so, Kelly, how you are you? Very, you have to be very careful with Kelly's in that sense, you know, especially if they've still got the Irish connection. So, the white He didn't want to know that. The Whitey Bulger connection is what he's We doing. need to know everything. So, so Kevin, we, we have this entire day devoted to the CEOs who are who are reimagining the world of food, have been already doing it pre-COVID, and it turns out that the things that you do as a, as a normal course of practice in business, the way you think, the way you do all of the things you do, are something that is going to have a role in the future of our food world. Um, and I got our CEO, Michael Politz, excited because not off, not often, well, not often, I won't say this. We real we regularly have CEOs, but we rarely have a show where we have all CEOs like we do today. And um, I'm really honored to welcome you to the show. Um, and and I'm really eager to have you uh, tell everyone in the audience about about. Emerald packaging for sure, but but where we are in time and place in food from your perspective. Wait, let's ask him where he is because I like the view. I mean, it's a beautiful trees <laughs> out there. Right? Yeah, it's a Union City, California, and I'm sitting in my office. See, he's so. in California, Jennifer, so he's not sweating it out like us out here in Nevada and uh, Arizona. Well, actually, it's 90 degrees here today, so yeah. for us, this is really bad. You know, I know it's not 120 or something like that. <laughs> still, it's hot. Yeah, it just freaks us out here. So, but it's falling to 66 tomorrow, so we'll be happy again in Northern California. Oh, well, that's quite place. a that's that's quite a, a gauntlet throwdown. I mean, I was listening to the previous guest, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy is doing amazing stuff. And uh, you were rightly excited about him and his 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 ideas and his products. So, it's a it's a tough act to follow, but I'll I'll certainly try. No. 
you know, I was, uh, it is. So um, Emerald Packaging, we basically uh, make packaging for the produce industry. So you go to the store and you buy those uh, pre-made salads, uh, uh, everything from pre-made salads to uh, one head lettuce, you know, iceberg lettuce in a bag. And I'm not sure who buys iceberg lettuce anymore, but we sell. Uh, I do. Okay, I go. okay. Oh, there we go. Uh, 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 thank, thank you, I should say, because we make about <laughs> 300 million of those bags a year. Wow. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's still a really thriving market. Uh, we've been around since 1963 and uh, have about 250 employees. We run around the clock 362 days a year. Wow. Because, and, you know, I, I always has, I don't, I don't know that I can think anymore about the future or even the recent past because everything for the last 11 weeks has been either COVID or a riot or something like that. And how you respond to those things as a corporation and try to be creative about taking care of your employees. As far as I'm concerned right now, I run a public health agency uh, with 250 clients. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's definitely, this is definitely a different conversation for me uh, these days. Jennifer, I think he needs to say who his clients are. <laughs> All right. Cause I mean, I just want to say, I'm looking on his website and I'm like, um, probably everything in your freezer is his is emerald? I can tell you that right now. Yeah, if you, touches green giant. Yeah, green giant. Uh, uh, Dole Frozen, Taylor Farms, Dole, Fresh Express, uh, all the players down in Salinas, Grimway Farms down in Bakersfield. We are the produce packaging company in the country, um, and uh, we've been an essential business the last few weeks. Uh, you never really think yeah. of yourself that way, but. The pull on packaged produce has been so significant since the beginning of COVID that uh, we really, we really feel like we're in the center of things. So yeah, we are, we are, we are the the folks who basically do most of the packaging and uh, the produce section. So now, Kevin, I'm gonna, I do this to Michael once in a while, where like almost two thirds of the way through a show, he sees the aha, which is. Now do you see how important packaging is? We've been a high-touch business. The hospitality game, the food and beverage game has been a high-touch business that has been thrust into a no-touch world and where sustainability and packaging and the necessity for no-touch are all intersecting in ways that nobody could have written a business plan two years ago and anticipated. I don't care how brilliant anybody is. This isn't why we were doing the things that these genius companies are now doing. They did it for the other reasons, but when you layer on something like a COVID crisis, the clear benefit, let's call it the dividend. Let's call it the dividend of what MPAC is doing as some products end up making it to food banks and to food pantries and to other food distribution systems where you have all kinds of variability that you didn't anticipate, but because Kevin and his team did a little bit extra to make it what it is today, more people are going to get to eat the food versus it going in to a landfill. This is like an incredible mitzvah. This is a blessing. This is an incredible dividend. Kevin, I got to talk to you about this. Oh, well, I mean, actually, you just wrote my marketing pitch. So there you go. No. Uh, we're done. <laughs> no, but like, how did you know? Jennifer, those are our secrets. What are you giving away our secrets for? 
<laughs> yeah, you should you should have told me you had an idea, and then you could have sold it to me. Uh, no, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, 12, 13, 14 weeks ago, most of the time, I was trying to defend produce packaging, single-use packaging, because it was considered, you know, single-use ends up in landfill, ends up in the ocean. Not really, but ends up in landfills. And we were we were under a, a lot of attack here, especially in in California up in the state legislature. So I was up in Sacramento all the time where it's even hotter than it is here. But that really has changed uh, with COVID, of course. And suddenly people are worried about, you know, someone else touching the produce in a store. Uh, they're also worried about uh, fruit, food preservation. They, they'd rather not throw out a lot of food if they're buying it. So they're buying the pre-made salads where the bags breathe uh, and extend the shelf life out to 30 days. They're buying the baby carrots that have a shelf life of about 35 days because we put small laser holes in the packaging to allow it to breathe. There's all sorts of ways in which suddenly produce packaging and a lot of packaging has, has we've made the point about how important it is. And the question really becomes then what happens afterwards uh, what happens three, six, nine months from now uh, when the public uh, is still aware of how important packaging is? What do legislators do? What do environmentalists do? What does the industry do? How do we circle back to sustainability without saying we we can't have any single-use packaging? Right. We, we have to, if you can't recycle it, it's, it's out. Because clearly that's that's not going to, that's not going to fly. Uh, health and safety has really become an issue. Food preservation is an issue. And so, uh, pack, you know, packaging has has come forward uh, in ways I wouldn't have anticipated at all. Uh, obviously, we're spending a lot of time on the sustainability question, uh, working with different kinds of uh, materials, uh, working with materials that are recyclable, replacing uh, uh, plastic that isn't. Uh, we continue to do all that stuff. But I'm I'm not sure anymore where it's actually headed. Uh, I, I can't predict. I, I really can't see the end game at this point. Which, which sorry to interrupt, but Kevin, you've got you've got extraordinary uh, breadth in terms of performance that your packaging is being asked to do. Uh, I have to get. My fresh, let's just use sugar snap peas as an example. I'm going to get my sugar snap peas from the, the stem, the pea tendril, uh, to a plate in front of a kid. And the journey that that has to take oftentimes will include some significant transportation, some waiting time. Temperature abuse. And cooking time. Abuse, he said, Jennifer. Temperature abuse. Do you hear that? These guys have buzzwords that I've never even heard of. <laughs> oh, I'm, Lord. I'm going to get back to that abuse because when you go outside the traditional distribution system to go into food banks and food pantries and you, you lose the control of a grocery chain where every product category manager is very familiar with the need to refrigerate and keep consistency and hot and hot and cold and cold, but I want to get back to the packaging that has to, you know, jump in a microwave and 
and steam the product for, you know, 90 seconds or 60 seconds. Uh, and, and the packaging can't melt and the, and the packaging can't degrade. And then, I mean, if you really think about what some of these technologies are asked to do in this deceptively simple transactional way, all it's doing is holding some vegetables. Yeah. But it's doing so much more than that. Kevin, will you talk a little bit about how sometimes the seemingly simple can be the most complex thing of all? <laughs> oh man, that's like the, that's like that's like the first question on my economics master's degree test, which was what is power. Uh, so the simple, the simple is deceptively no. complex. Uh, well, I, I think packaging in general looks very simple, right? It just looks like plastic, you know. Uh, and maybe if you're getting things from Amazon, it looks like something that's going to keep it from breaking or busting or, or whatever. But when you get into the world of produce packaging, that 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 package around your uh, potatoes that you're going to put in the microwave has to uh, not melt, has to be able to, uh, uh, there often is a butter stick or something like that in there. It has to be able to handle uh, liquids, uh, 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 hot liquids and not melt. It has to be FDA, of course. Uh, over on the salad side, you look at those salad packages; they just look like they're they're just uh, they're just salad packages, right? But if you don't have the right uh, oxygen to uh, carbon dioxide ratio inside the package, that stuff's going to rot. And so it, it, this is this is this is when you go into the store; it's far more complex. Even even iceberg lettuce. Those bags have little holes punched in, and that's to allow for some breathability. All these things uh, extend shelf life. All these things uh, extend uh, the the the, the uh, prevent food waste, which of course is one of the main contributors to methane in the atmosphere, which we always try to educate people about. So uh, we're also about uh, obviously those little simple, deceptively simple packages are there in part uh, to prevent food waste and help the environment. Kevin Kelly, what is power? No, I'm kidding. I was a Marxist back then, so I don't know what I am now. So I, I don't know how I'd answer the question. So. Um, I, I want to talk. Let, let me you. ask him a question. Yeah, please. Have you had a cos have you had a cosmic crisp apple yet? No, I have not. I haven't either. Uh, it was the biggest news in the world, right? In January. <laughs> We were like, where are we going to get them? And now we don't even know where they are. <laughs> okay, that's all. I just wanted to know if he had one. That's all right. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. He may be friends with Mary, our friend Mary from uh, United Fresh. Mary Cole. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of the United Fresh people and the PMA people. We've been active in those organizations for years. Uh, they, they do great work, uh, uh, obviously, representing the industry in either Sacramento or in Washington, D.C. So uh, we've been really, really very supportive. Kevin, I, I want to go just before we let you go, and you've been super generous to be so long with us and, and spending time with us today and taking us on this journey. I do some volunteering with an organization called Pow Wow, which is near the border. Not, not Bow Wow, because Bow Wow is a different operation, right? This is Produce on Wheels Without Waste. Produce oh. on Wheels. Wow. They made that into Bow Wow? Pow Wow? P-O-W-W-O-W. And it's one of the many programs that exist. This one is run by Borderlands Produce. And 
where I'm at right this second is near the border town of Nogales. And a lot of produce flows through Nogales, Arizona. And a lot of product ends up in the packaging that you manufacture. Mm -hmm. And whether it's companies like Green Giant or, uh, you know, we have other companies, you know, Eurofresh, the tomatoes. When you go into a store and you go to a store that doesn't orient itself around a produce department, let's say like a Trader Joe's, where many of the items that you will find there actually come in some kind of packaging. Right. Begin to realize that the nature of the old-fashioned greengrocer has changed. Mm-hmm. And when we go to the farmer's markets with our, pra- our plain brown paper sacks that were sexy about 12 weeks ago, but you can't, <laughs> can't deal with today. Yeah. Uh, and our reusable bags, which really are going to have to be reimagined yet again. Mm-hmm. We realize how dynamic and powerful and beneficial this kind of of simple, humble category is, but it's absolutely essential to the produce business. And I'm gonna make the point that as important as water is in every part of the agriculture business and the vegetable business and the fruit business, before it gets into the stage where Kevin and his company come in, his product sort of takes over for water and is the water of the product in the distribution chain. I mean, it's That's as beautiful. essential and fundamental as water is. That's so beautiful. Well, we, we, we also regulate the amount of moisture in the package. Uh, uh, a lot of times the package is set up, so like with carrots, to retain the moisture in the package. Yep. So, uh, you know, we are still part of the water chain and the moisture chain. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, we do take it over, but we're also part of it. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's completely cool. And is I'm, his name on all the ba- on all the bags? Do you have Emerald Impact no, on the bags? We, we uh, have our uh, our our what do you call it? A bullet, if you will. It's EM, and then the job number. Uh, of course, we don't want to get in the way of uh, our, our customers. Yeah. yeah, marketing. So we market ourselves subtly. We'd like to know, Kevin, because when we look at our bag of Brussels sprouts, we want to see the EM, and then we can go, hey, we know Kevin. Yeah, well, in Beverage Magazine family. I'm often worried that I'm going to get thrown out of the produce department because I start taking apart bags to see if they were ours. So uh, that's a uh, that's a that's a hazard of the trade. Getting tossed. We don't want no counterfeit bags, Jennifer. Do you hear me? We don't want no no bags from China. No co- coming out of China. No bags. No, <laughs> no bags. EM bags. That's right. Absolutely. Kevin, have you worked at all with Farmer Lee Jones out of Ohio? No, have not. We'll have not. to make that love connection for you. No, that'd be great. Uh, uh, I'd love to. And actually, I'll look up your uh, organization and see how we might be able to link into it. Uh, we do a lot of work with charities uh, here. Uh, uh, a lot of it's with education, but... Nonetheless, we also do a lot with produce and uh, companies, uh, organizations that need produce. So I'll definitely look it up this afternoon. And and even before the COVID, we had long lines of people recognizing that these kinds of programs, Borderlands does a really amazing job. Uh, And and Ricky and the team of, of people that are that are there running it, they go from location to location throughout the state. Big trucks show up at a church or a school. 
Volunteers step in to distribute the food. People line up, and for $12, you get about 70 pounds of fresh produce. Wow. Wow. And, and this is in addition to the food bank and the food pantries. Where, where we really need to focus this attention is on at this time when so many have lost jobs, when organizations like the Boys and Girls Clubs that had been a source of good nutrition for, for kids now that school's out, they're not getting their meals. I mean, there's a lot of need out there. And for every hour that your packaging extends the life of a product, someone else eats. And for that, I have to say thank you for putting in the extra effort. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's a different take, but it's actually true. So so thanks for saying it. I do really appreciate it. And and I hope we'd love to get you involved in, in the powwow. Oh, well, well, definitely. Sorry, your stuff's already there. I mean, is it powwow.com? How does it? What, what I'll, I'll send you the link. You and okay. I will connect on, offline. I have a little chat okay. here. Uh, I'll give you my, but everybody knows my email is spiritskitchen at gmail.com. Okay. And, I'll, I'll uh, definitely look. I'd love to have this conversation continue. That's Kevin, will you, will you keep us um, in the loop and let us know how we can continue to tell the story of, of what you're doing and reimagining the future of our, of our plant-based world? Yeah, absolutely. And I think as the sustainability questions come back, no, that'd be a real good point to have a conversation. I mean, right now it really isn't on anybody's radar, but you know it will be in six months, nine months, a year. So it'd be great to circle back then, yeah. for sure. And, and and we'll have the answers for them. Maybe and I have to put in I have to put in a pitch for my blog, which is you can link to on our company website. So uh, I post a few times a year. So definitely, if bottom, what is it? Uh, it's uh, uh, the the blog is. Uh, musings of a CEO, and uh, of course, www.impact.com, E-M-P-A-C-K.com. I just posted something 15 minutes before I came on, okay. which, and then linked it to LinkedIn, and that always is, you know, a frustrating thing for me. I have no idea how the technology works, so, uh, but uh, I, I'd love people to read it and uh, get a little sense of what we do. Before we let you go, what's your favorite vegetable? I, my favorite uh, carrots, undoubtedly. Uh, carrots. My favorite dish is, and I'm, you know, this is bad, but carrots with with uh, butter and honey. Uh, mm. uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, it's. Let's ask him the question about the garlic, Jen, that we had. Okay. So the gar the chopped garlic that comes in the in the uh, containers, you know, the plastic. Right. Do you do those too, or no? No, we don't. You, okay. So oh, you well, may not know in, in the in the pouches, yes, but in the I just saw uh, garlic in um, a bottle uh, last week when I was at the store, and that's that's new. I mean, the nice thing about that, of course, is it's it's already peeled, and I don't have to get my hands smelling. Oh, I like that. No, I use the chopped garlic in the jars, but I'm wondering how long it's supposed to stay in the how long it can last. Uh, Jennifer says Jennifer says two years is too long. <laughs> I wouldn't be using it after two years. <laughs> But people, <laughs> but people use spices after two years. Frankly, I think, Kevin, we've got to get you in the spice business because they've got to be reimagined altogether. Well, I would love to be in that business. Trust me. We've looked at it over the years, but we've been so busy. I, I mean, who thought sugar snappies would be in packaging? We've been just so busy you know, moving along with our customers that really haven't had time to look at other markets. So do they make those? Do they make those fresh? Because I always buy them 
dried out with seasoning on them. You know those little snap pea thing things that. No, no, they make them fresh. Yeah, definitely. I'm just kidding, Kevin. I'm just okay. kidding. I'm just, it was a fat That's joke. I was about to say, you've got the magazine with 12 million readers. You already know all this. But you know, oh, you know what I made this week, you guys? And I'll tell you this, because the, the sugar snap peas and the English peas, they're kind of overlapping in, in a little bit right now with the first of the season peaches. And so I do... Um, I, I just do a really simple, simple recipe where I take English peas or sugar snap peas, whichever you prefer. And I just very quickly saute them in just a tiny bit of butter in a pan with salt and pepper. But then I take peaches, fresh, ripe, sweet peaches. They can have a little bruise. They don't have to be a perfect peach. Mm -hmm. But you slice them in half and then you slice them into um, what I'll just call slivered peach, like a, like a, like a slice. Yeah. And I toss yeah. it all together just so the peaches warm through. And the peaches and the peas together are a stunning flavor combination. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I, I no, it doesn't, Kevin. It sounds disgusting, I'm, Kevin. No, it sounds great. In fact, I'm now wanting to go home for dinner. So all right, well, we'll <laughs> it's only four o'clock, so I won't be. So at any rate. So thank you for having me. I, I do appreciate it. Well, no, we'd love to time. We'd love to have you. Amazing. Amazing information. Well, thank, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay. Wow, huh? Who you know, knew one guy I, made all that stuff? Can I just tell you, I love, I feel like I've done my job when at the end of the interviews, you yeah. say wow. And you say wow more often than you realize at the end of where we get with things. I do? You must well, think was, I didn't know about what Kevin was doing. That's kind right? of like, like, honestly, if you go through the supermarket, I guarantee you 90% of those bags are his. Easily. This guy. Easily. Yeah. That's exciting. I looked at the website. I'm like, what? Green Giant. What this? What the? Oh, God. And do you like how I tie the guests together? And it was, it was a miracle that it happened this way because Scott was supposed to be on earlier in the week, but he was meant to be on today with Kevin. So I jigged oh. things around. Well, that's incredible, Jennifer. And, and I mean, we end up with the show we're supposed to have. Jennifer, you're one incredible lady. I can't I take it. I wear my granny glasses today. We love your granny glasses. All right, so tomorrow's a big one. Why don't you get some rest? Well, listen, you know who's on with us tomorrow? Yes, we all know. You've told us 15 times. This is another situation we're having right here. Yes, we all know. And NYC and Company Restaurant. Why do I feel like George Burns right now? Talking Take to his wife. Crazy. That's right, Gracie. That's what I'm thinking. I don't understand. Everybody, please stay safe and well. And when you get home, if you're not already home, hug your kids and count your blessings. Whoop.